We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Hi, this is Cheryl Broderson in studio with my friend and co-host, Robin Jones-Gunn. Hello. And we love bringing you these women. And we're at Josephine Butler, part two. And as we were um, talking before this program, Robin was saying something. And I said, Robin, say that when we come on the air. <laughs> well, I was so looking forward to this second part because my image of this woman who is going into these workhouses in England and becoming on the same level for conversations with these women in poverty. And yet her husband is the president of the Liverpool University, is it? Yeah, vice president. Vice president. So she had responsibilities and that upper class role to fulfill. And yet she was considered such a radical. Right. It's too progressive for the rest of the society at that time. Right. But what she accomplished in such gentle, quiet ways is remarkable and beautiful. Well, you know, she saw the prostitutes as creations of God that had been defiled yes. and marred. And she brought them in and she let them not, she didn't treat them like they were lesser or uh, diseased or infected. I mean, they were considered the um, pariah of England at that time. They had been used and Mm. abused. And by the time they were in their 20s, they had no future but to commit suicide. That was the future of these young women. And I'm going to wait till we get to the second half. Be amazed. In 1867, she worked to establish an organization called North of England Council for Promoting the Higher Education of Women. And this was to raise the status of governesses and women teachers as a profession. So, you know, they weren't even considered a profession or, you know, something that you could even necessarily get paid for. Usually you got room and board. So for her to raise the status was amazing. She was also at this time invited to do a series of lectures. And so this is Josephine Butler, and they expected a very low number of students to come. Um, in Liverpool, and they expected maybe 30 students would be interested. However, 300 came. Mm. In 1868, she wrote her first pamphlet, The Education and Employment of Women. And again, she argued for higher education, college, for women, as well as better access to better jobs. So this was her first, but she would go on to write 90 more books and pamphlets. Whoa. I know. In 1896, um, there was um, the Contagious Disease Acts uh, was repealed. And I want to talk about that. So what it was is in the early 1880s, there was this law in England, and it was called the Contagious Disease Act, that any woman— at any time, who was suspected of having venereal disease, any woman of any status, of in, in any place, who was considered to maybe be a carrier of venereal disease, could be arrested, stripped, searched, and um, examined. And this could happen didn't have to happen by a doctor. 
Oh, could have it could be police officers if she's just accused of that, right? Not even with evidence of any kind. Mm-hmm. And oh, it was established. Sorry, in 1864, 66, or 69. No one's quite sure to protect the spread of venereal disease in society uh, because it, venereal disease had become so prevalent in the British Army and the Royal Navy. And so again, these women can be strip searched. If a man wanted to get rid of his wife. He could accuse her of having venereal disease, and she would be taken away. Her status in society would be so lowered that he could then divorce her. So women found with venereal Mm. disease were locked up until the condition was cured. If they refused an examination, they would go to prison or hard labor. So they were literally enslaved if they disagreed with it. So about this time, as you can imagine, Josephine Butler is not going to let that one rest. So she started what was called the LNA, Ladies National Association for the Repeal of the Contagious Disease Acts. And she wrote, it's formed for the purpose of obtaining the repeal of these obnoxious acts. She campaigned for 11 years to get these acts repealed. And Florence Nightingale was right there with her. Um, as a nurse, asking for the repeal of this. And she was an avid member, Florence Nightingale, of the LNA, Ladies National Association for the Repeal of the Contagious Disease Acts. So again, she worked tirelessly for 11 years. So the next 11 years of her life, Mm. she's going to spend just campaigning against these terrible laws and bringing it to the attention of everyone in society. Now, even though it's called contagious diseases, it really only applied to venereal disease, so right. it wasn't measles nope. or anything. Nope. So nope. even that makes yep. it sound like, oh, well, that's a good thing. We don't want right. anybody to have right. chickenpox. Right. <laughs> no, this right. was really pointed to those women, just those women who had no voice, and it was just women to be able to right. say, uh, uh, that's yeah. not the case. It was not with men. Yeah. Right. You know who were the carriers? It was all women, to do with women. So Josephine toured Britain in 1870 and traveled 3,700 miles. Remember, this is by carriage, right? Oh, that's... And attended 99 meetings. She's serious. Yes. We're going to get this repealed. She was often in danger, especially by pimps. And at one meeting that she had, they threw cow dung at her. And another meeting, they broke... The hotel windows of the hotel that she was staying, they broke all the hotel windows. And a third meeting, some threatened to burn down the building where she was speaking. And she kept on going. She kept on going. In in 1875, Butler campaigned for the abolition of prostitution. 1878, she wrote a biography, and this is where the tie-in of Catherine of Siena. And she felt like she shared an an affinity with Catherine because of Catherine's suffering for doing good and for taking care of the the poor and all that she went through. And it's interesting because of the 90 things she wrote, this is considered to be her finest book. And it's still uh, considered a great work. Even though on Amazon, it's like $1,000. <laughs> it's a really great work. It's a really great So how work. many years would you guess would be between Josephine and Catherine of Siena 
Wow. Mm-hmm. So Catherine, I've seen it, you know, like um, six, seven, eight hundred. Yeah. 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 I mean, quite a few years. I was going to say a couple yeah. hundred years, yes. but I mean, it quite was a few. Uh, yes. Big but, chunk. But this is why we love doing this, because right. the inspiration that comes from women who lived long before us, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. had that heart for God, and we see what they experienced or the difficulties they went through. And that gives us courage That's right. to keep going. And again, as you said, Josephine Butler kept going. Yes. And Catherine Siena was a deeply um, committed woman to Jesus and had an incredible prayer life. And that probably was something that Josephine Butler also related to. And we talk about her being an activist and she's doing all these incredible things. But remember, this woman was praying every day. She she was speaking a lot to God and little to men. Yes. So if you see her speaking this much to people, imagine how much she's speaking to God. Yeah. And that pattern began early in her life. That's right. And that's the, you know, the spiritual disciplines that we see in so many of these women that we talk about, that there's a way that they connect most closely with the Lord. And that is priority. That's right. Okay, now we're going to get into some gnarly stuff, as Jasmine would have said, nar nar. (laughs) I'll take a deep breath. Yes. In 1879, she heard about slave trade in England. She had no idea. She heard that girls as young as 12 and 13 were being sold and kidnapped for a sex ring in Brussels, Belgium. So she initiated the investigation. And what's interesting, in, in this investigation, she worked with Um, Florence Booth, who we'll talk about on another episode. But Florence Booth was the daughter-in-law of William Booth, who started Salvation Army. And she married Bramwell Booth, who would later become the captain of the Salvation Army, the, the head general. So she visited Brussels, where she met with the mayor and the government leaders and it turned out that the police were complicit in the human trafficking. So she petitioned the government, and an investigation ensued, and they found 12 brothels. Mm. All the Brussels, all the, all the brothels in Brussels had English girls. Oh. And all the owners, because of Florence's work, went to prison. Yay. Yes. In 1885, so this is, you know, six years later— um, Josephine um, was with Florence and she was also worked with um, Thomas Steed, William Thomas Steed, who was the head editor of the Paul Mall Gazette. And they heard that these kidnappings were, you know, going on um, and girls were still being put in the slave trade. So William disguised himself and went to a prostitute that he heard was selling her daughter. And the girl was 13 years old, and the mother sold her, forget this, five pounds. Mm. For five pounds, she sold her her daughter, her teenager. The girl's name was Eliza Armstrong, and William and Josephine uh, worked to send her to France, and Florence had connections in France with the Salvation Army. And there she was safeguarded, educated, and trained for domestic services. And later when she was older, she wrote both Josephine and William a note of gratitude for saving her life. So William Steed wrote a series of articles for the 
Paul Mall Gazette、um, called the Maiden Tribute of Modern Babylon to expose the child prostitution in London. He interviewed even the head of the criminal investigation department. And this is part of the interview. William, do you mean to tell me, in very truth, actual rapes in the legal sense of the word are constantly being perpetrated in London on unwilling virgins, purveyed and procured to rich men at so much ahead by keepers of brothels? Certainly, said the head of the criminal investigation department. There is not a doubt of it. It is true, and although it ought to raise hell, It does not even raise the neighbors.、Oh. So, in other words, the criminal investigation、wow. department, this head, was saying, My hands are tied.、Right. Nobody cares.、Yeah. Nobody cares. Like, they're poor. What do we care? But Josephine and William Steed and the Salvation Army cared. And they. They went to the streets. They went to Parliament. He wrote these articles, which begin to change the sentiments of the, of the city of London. So, a criminal law amendment was passed in Parliament outlining the conscription or prostitution of any girl, get this, under 16. Just under 16. Stead was imprisoned, though, for three months for procuring Eliza for his article. Uh, oh, Josephine oh. testified at、wow. his defense, as did some of the members、yes. of the Salvation Army, but it did no good. It was three months、uh, for doing that. It was kind of retroactive, too, because it hadn't been illegal before, but suddenly,、mm-hmm. since these articles in this past, retroactively, they went back and arrested him. So bad. So at the same time, you know, as women of the upper class are becoming aware of this, they start these purity societies. But Josephine was concerned. She felt like they went too far. And you're going to like this. She said, Fatuous belief that you can oblige human beings to be moral by force, and in so doing, that you may in some way promote social purity. She said, It doesn't work. It has to be a heart change. This is why she wanted to work with the booths. For every generation, it's true. (laughs) She said, Because it has to be of the heart. The heart has to want the change. So in 1897, Josephine was informed that the Contagious Disease Act was still being enforced in India on these young Indian girls.、Mm. And so she was, felt she was too old. By this time, she's 62, my age. And she's like, I'm too old to go to India and investigate this. But she had had this correspondence going with Catherine Bushnell. Catherine Bushnell had campaigned to get prostitution.、Um, Uh, illegal in Wisconsin for girls, again, under 16,、mm-hmm. because girls as young as 12 were being kidnapped out of their homes、yes. and taken、um, to service the men who were logging trees. And when Catherine Bushnell went to the U.S. Congress and told them everything that was happening, when they made the law, they called it the Catherine Bushnell. Law. So she's kind of well known now. And that's when Josephine and she started、um, their correspondence. And of course, Catherine Bushnell is a doctor. So she can do the exams. She, she knows、yes. what she's doing. So she goes with another American, and Josephine Butler pays their way to go from America to India. And what 
Catherine saw was so appalling, but she kept a journal and she wrote everything down. She went back to England and she had evidence and she gave all this evidence to Josephine, who again um, went to bat in Parliament. And in 1888, they finally repealed the CDA in India also. Now, about this time, George Butler's health was not doing well. He was older than Josephine. And in 1889, he got the flu while they were in Naples, Italy again. And she was hoping that his health would kind of recover. But they returned to England and George died March 14th, 1890. In 1900, and Josephine continued to write, but she wrote this. Uh, concerning Great Britain. This is another wonderful quote. Great Britain will in the future be judged, condemned, or justified according to her treatment of those innumerable colored races, heathen or partly Christianized, over whom her rule extends. Race prejudice is a poison which will have to be cast out if the world is ever to be Christianized. And if Great Britain is to maintain the high and responsible place among the nations that has been given to her. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yes. She's like, if you're going to be anything Great Britain, you better honor those people and treat them as equals. And they're never going to accept the gospel of Jesus if, if you don't act like Jesus. And her wording is so similar to many things that mm-hmm. Harriet Beecher Stowe yes. wrote. Yes. That same passion calling out, right. as Harriet did, to the people of America to open their eyes and right. see what they were doing. Right. Especially because she, you know, it wasn't only um, the, the the Africans, but it was the, they colonized India. They were treating the Indians yes. like less than. And conscripting these girls to prostitution and they had colonized the Chinese and they were bringing the the Chinese in for slave labor. It was like, no, you, you, you cannot do that. How do you expect people Mm -hmm. to respect your Christianity or even want Jesus Mm -hmm. when you're not acting like him at all? Yeah, we needed those WWJD bracelets. You know, would Jesus <laughs> do this? No, but it's he so yeah. like what's written in Malachi about yeah. why are you so surprised that I'm not blessing right. you? And you're bringing right. these right your words and these terrible offerings, and and yet you're so surprised that yeah. I'm not giving you what you want. Right, and and that's what she was um, saying that this has got to stop. So she was already seeing this in, in the 1900s. It doesn't matter that slavery has been repealed or all these things. She's saying, no, you have to treat all of these people as our equals. Mm-hmm. You, you can't do this. So after 1901, Josephine semi-retired and spent more home, uh, more time with her family. Um, however, she was still writing um pamphlets and still petitioning. She moved to Wooler to be close to her older son. In fact, uh, she lived just a few doors from him. And then she died on December 30th, 1906, at the age of 77. And that was long. That was long. Full life. So the LNA was renamed the Association of Moral and Social Hygiene 
Oh, my. <laughs> and then it was renamed again in 1953 as the Josephine Butler Society. And it still operates today. Really? And it works for the protection of women and children who are criminally detained, violently abused, or exploited by others who profit from their prostitution. Amazing. Isn't that? Okay, now I'm going to get to her favorite phrase. And if you don't fall in love with her, (laughs) talking to our listeners, um, if you haven't fallen in love with her by now, if you haven't just, what an amazing woman, this will do it. Her favorite phrase that everyone knew, this is Josephine Butler's favorite phrase, God and one woman make a majority. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. Is that amazing? And, and so true. Right. We've seen that over and over with right. these women that we're becoming familiar with their lives right. just from the little bits that are written about them. Yes. But that's the banner that flies over all that's their right. lives. God and one woman. Again, when you're taking these petitions to God, I mean, she realized... It, I'm not moving. I'm not shaking anybody. I'm a woman. And again, women were, you know, considered less than. I mean, think about mm-hmm. the circles that she was in, college circles where only men are educated and they've got the higher education. They considered themselves so far superior to these uneducated women who could be seduced. And so here she is. She's intelligent. She's literate. She can write. And her writing is super. Herb. It's it's quality writing. She's married to a, a college um, dean, and so he's intelligent, and they have these intelligent conversations in prayer time. And it's through the prayer that she moves. It's through the prayer that yes. she gets her direction and her connections yes. and where uh, to go. Interestingly enough, um, there is a collection of her correspondence with Catherine Bushnell. Again, it was so expensive, but I there's a place where you can look at it if you have the right connections of the letters that passed across the Atlantic between Catherine Bushnell and Josephine Butler. And of course, Catherine Bushnell was an outspoken mm-hmm. Christian. And so their correspondence is filled with the Lord, their prayers, and their desire um, to see these young girls protected. I mean, Instead of, I mean, they could take a young girl before the repeal of the Contagious Disease Act. They could see a young girl about 12 or 13 walking with her parents and say, we think that Mm. she might have a contagious disease. Mm. They could seize her. Mm. And then she had no future. Because what man is going to marry a girl that was seized and exploited? And I mean, it was, you know. It's funny because we tend to think of the 1800s as, oh, I wish I lived there. The Victorian period, the Victorian, beautiful yeah. dresses yes. and the proper manners, and everyone was so nice and to tea. each other. And yes. tea, right? <laughs> of course. Yes. You know, it's so funny because I was talking to a friend one time who's English, and we were walking in a beautiful street in York, England called The Shambles. And it all the houses were built during the 1800s, and they're kind of crooked and just everything that you want to see in a you know, from a Dickens yes. novel, like this, yes. everything you imagine. Charming. It's charming. And I'm walking down and I said to her, oh, do you ever wish you lived at this time? And she said, what? With them pouring their sewage out the windows <laughs> and our hymn <laughs> lines getting all polluted? I think not. And I was like, oh, thank you for ruining my Bringing dream. Bringing me back yes. to reality here. You know, just 
just punching my balloon. But that was Josephine Butler. And um, you know what I was thinking when you were talking uh, in the first episode about her time in Oxford with her yes. husband and how it was it's so remarkable how she was treated as a woman right. and that only right. men mm-hmm. could study and be honored in any mm-hmm. way. Well, I was in Oxford probably 12 years ago with another writer friend of mine, Anne, and we got to the Cherwell River that you mentioned, yes. and I thought, oh, this is, we have to go f- for a walk along the river right. or something. And Anne said, how about if we s- – they have a little place here where you can rent one of these – flat boats right, and go right, right. hunting. And so Anne, who's from the Netherlands, and myself went up to the man who's, you give him the money. He would not take our money. He said, no, not for two women. Go find a man. You, can, you can't go on one of my little boats in oh, Oxford 12 years ago. Goodness. And so we actually went on this beautiful walk, uh, Addison's Walk, right. which is where C.S. Lewis and Tolkien used to have their little chats, apparently. And it was November, so the leaves were big as your hand and golden brown. But that feeling stayed with both of us the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Like, we're capable. Right. And, you know... God right. and one woman, come on, <laughs> we needed her. Well, you know, I was reading today in Genesis chapter 2 that Adam and Eve were both made in the image of God. Oh, and that's they both, so true. they both received the Ruah Hashim, yes. the breath of, God, breath of God, into them and became living beings. And I love the fact that God takes a whole, you know, chapter to talk about how he created the woman. You know, man, it's like, yeah. Made him. The woman, though. Now, let me tell you about how I made the woman. And again, she's taken from his side, not from his head or from his feet, but from his side and to be comparable to him. So a compliment to him. Mm. And together, God blesses them. And they're a whole. So that's why we just love bringing you these women. And we don't even know how indebted we are to Josephine Butler and some of these women that we talk about, Catherine Bushnell. Well, in the the um, overlapping of their lives, mm-hmm. wasn't it poignant that when Josephine was aware of what was going on in India and probably given plenty of mm-hmm. opportunity, she had the resources to go, or the funds, but she listened to what the Lord said. Right. And it was as if in that moment she was handing off the baton yes. to Catherine. Yes. And what a deeper, more effective ministry possibly mm-hmm. took place because Josephine wasn't holding on, saying, no, I yeah, right. till the day I die, I'm going to do everything myself. I'm going to make it happen. No, no, no. It was listening to the Lord. He says, go here, don't go there. And she obeyed. And you know, it's also interesting at the same time, because she's a contemporary, and I told you she was friends. She knew Elizabeth Blackwell, who was the Mm -hmm. first female doctor. Interestingly enough, Elizabeth Blackwell's credentials um, that she got in America were recognized in England, although England would not allow women into their colleges to become doctors. Oh, and Florence Nightingale, because women weren't allowed in colleges, she started her own college right. to educate women in nursing all at this time. Right. So again, um, they're opening up opportunities for women so that they don't have to go into prostitution to go into nursing, and, which is such a noble occupation, oh, yes. and to learn to take care of people. And 
again, they were learning hygiene. So all these women, I love, again, how they they interact. We're the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And we all are connected to each other, Mm -hmm. especially... um, as Christians, you know, and we're all going to spend eternity together. That's that's just so exciting. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's about all the time we have for today. Thank so. you for introducing us to Josephine. You're she's, welcome. She's wonderful. And I can't wait because I'm going to talk about her friend next week, Florence Soper Booth, who they became kind of detectives and sleuths together. So that's oh, going to be boy. fun, too. And <laughs> you're going to love better. Florence. <laughs> I fell in love. You're going to fall in love. I'm sure we will. So until next week, we're saying... Goodbye. Goodbye. God bless you. Yes. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and our new co-host, Robin Gunn. For more information about Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. For more information about Robin, visit RobinGunn.com. That's gun with two N's. Or follow her on Instagram and Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WWK at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Gunn.